you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. It's loose on one Tito's and Soda. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. It's good to be back. In the United States of America. Los Angeles greeting us with some 85 degree Fahrenheit. Forget that Celsius garbage weather. Oh, yeah. A little bit of a statement, I thought. By Big LA. weather take by Greg. Yeah, a little bit. Of I'm a- just saying L.A. was like, hey, remember me? Remember how beautiful it was a I statement. Am? It was a statement game by the weather because the weather usually is seasonably warm. Uh, it's seasonably warm in L.A. this time of year, but they made sure it wasn't going to be one of those weird overcast L.A. days when we came back after a day of uh, a week of 60 and raining. It's like, hey, welcome back, boys. Don't fly away too, you know, anytime soon. I like the rain and like the trench coats and the umbrellas as a as a change up, just not as kind of the permanent but situation. Other than the <laughs> meteorological elements of that trip, it was a, a, an amazing trip uh, to England again and the chance to catch up with all our fans out there. And the live show was a huge hit. Uh, got to meet so many people and um, everything really was great. It was a great trip, Mark. Mark, are you going to talk? What's up? I, I'm just uh, <laughs> absorbing the incredible content and information that you've been pri- you know, providing about the weather in Los Angeles for the first <laughs> eight minutes of the show. But the trip was amazing. And I keep thinking you do that thing where like if the week ago was your vacation, you keep thinking, oh, it's Wednesday morning. Where was I on Wednesday morning in London time? But then you have to add eight hours. And I, c- I couldn't figure out any of these equations. Mm. I don't remember. I, it just went by like a dream. I think the, the highlight for me, like the quote of the week was right after we finished the live show on Friday and we came off stage to thunderous applause. Mark pulled me aside and he goes, Dan, pinch me. This is too perfect. That is not. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to interfere. Like, uh, please believe that that's how I approached it. <laughs> you had me until the too perfect part. It's like the fourth live thing we you had, had in me, London. I mean, I'm not I'm over had pinching me at, myself. You had me at pinch me. <laughs> then you lost me. Um, I, I just actually it. wanted you to pinch me, but you refused. <laughs> that's fine. You know, back in my mailman days, when I desperately needed an escape before the proliferation of the internet, I had this idea of virtual reality tours of like great cities and locations around the world. And you know, Anthony Bourdain came along and did that much better than I ever. Oh, he got on your corner before you can get there. But the, you know, having the NFL pay for us to go travel to great cities is kind of cool. And if you think about it, podcasts function in kind of the same way as virtual reality tours. Anyway, mm. not everybody can cover the NFL. But they can come along for the ride when we do. And we see that a lot at the live show. Are you that saying, kind of attitude. Are you saying what I think you're saying? What's that? European Tour 2020. Yeah. Well put, Wes. <laughs> All right. 
big show today. So yeah, we're back. We got we got a day usual as you know, as your regular if you're a regular listener, the show usually drops on a Tuesday. But we needed that uh, you know, as they say, a buzzy phrase in in this cent- in this decade that's coming to a close. A mental health day was necessary, uh, which we got, and I think we're all uh, feeling and looking better. So let's get to it because the NFL soap opera it did not slow down while we were gone. In fact, it, a lot of huge plot lines. We have um, trades to get to. We have a trade deadline that's coming up in a couple of weeks, um, and with the the big trades with Jacksonville and and the Rams and and what could come. Uh, in the um, days and weeks ahead. How about this seg? Trade scenarios that could come to fruition. Like, you know, like real trade uh, situations that could pop up. And then if we, all we have to do is nail one and we, we're geniuses. So we will go twice each. I thought the segment was called trade scenarios that aren't stupid clickbait by and for idiots. That That is the <laughs> full uh, name of the seg. Uh, and, and that's true too, because this isn't this isn't going to be like, you know, send Dak Prescott to Titan to the Titans for 14 first round picks. No, these are things that could could conceivably happen in the National Football League. You know, and it's it's a temptation when we do these segments to come up with scenarios that are literally white hot fire, and you know, don't necessarily make a lot. The, the trades that happen outside of a couple of the big names are rather methodical. So maybe some of these will be. Low octane and less interesting, but correct. Is that a preview of yours? <laughs> I'm just saying. I tried to approach this very robotically this time because I think that usually these instructions are the one that these know. instructions are an in-house, you know, directive for me not to come up with something that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly directed at you. You're like, all right, can we not include something that like includes Doctor Chow or ponies? Right, and <laughs> so I have I have Aliens. followed your directions to a T. I wouldn't call it directions, but if that's how you. Uh, you know, heard them or felt them, that's fine too. That is how I heard them and felt them. <laughs> All right. And also the Thursday night football preview, a great, great game, I think. Uh, an AFC West battle between two two teams going in different directions right now. Uh, but before that, yes, I mentioned trades. So let's hit the news. Uh, oh, my God. It's a tsunami. A trade tsunami, that is. And no, you 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 cannot uh, get that sound drop for your own. Like that is not something that's downloadable. But perhaps if we can monetize it, we will let you get frags. Uh, you know, making that statement again. You can have that. Do you want to hear it again? Oh yeah, I would like. All right, let's listen to it again. Uh, oh my God, it's a tsunami. A trade tsunami, that is. Whoa, how about that? Frags should get a job like as the audible. Voice we on, just got a window books. into Dan's mind. He has been listening to that by himself many times. Whoa. All right. Let's get to it. Jalen Ramsey got his wish. He was traded on Tuesday to the Los Angeles Rams. Of course he was. The Jags uh, getting two first round picks in 2020 and 2021, as well as a fourth round pick in 2021. Uh, the Jags confirmed this trade. Uh, and now Ramsey joins L.A., a team trying to find itself find itself right now. And in the um, day hours before this trade went down, we found out that Akib Talib, their veteran corner, was sent to IR, and Marcus Peters, who once upon a time was 
uh, ad- added to be the uh, big missing piece filler uh, for the Rams had been traded to the Ravens for 50 cents on the dollar. Well, now here comes Ramsey to save the day, Wes. Well, that, that's the plan. They think that he's a, a defense, a team changing kind of player. This is the most competition, most compensation, sorry, for a defensive back in history. According to Pro Football Journal, this is the a highest lot. anyone's ever paid for a defensive back. Way more than the Bucks ever gave up for uh, Darrell Revis. Uh, since 1986, 33 years ago, only about a dozen guys have been traded for at least two, two first-round picks. So he's in rare company here. And I think the way I look at this is the Rams don't think about their future the way, say, the Jaguars do or the Bengals do or the Redskins do. They think about their future the way the Yankees Real Madrid, Manchester United, mm. think about their franchise. They want to be the number one brand in sports. Right now, they're tied with the Red Sox for 12th in the world, according to Forbes. And with that stadium What's opening that mean? up, with the number one brand in sports, oh, it sport. means they're That's operating the at worth. a much higher level than, than any of these worth. other NFL teams, gotcha. except for the Cowboys. I don't trust this Forbes nonsense. Okay. I mean, well, you can use someone else. <laughs> you get you his want. point, though. Yes. What they're trying to okay. do here is I was just surprised by that. With that stadium, yeah. they think they can do it. The stadium, the market, you know, they're willing to give up their draft picks and they don't have a first round pick until 2022. Uh, They'll end up giving up five first round draft picks in a row, five years in a row. Does Uh, anybody else think that's crazy? Because everything everything that we've learned about team building um, over the years that we've worked here together or just as an NFL fan is that a big part of building a real sustainable enterprise is through the draft, through the young players, um, and the the salaries that aren't overly bloated that come with a young player out of the draft. So to r- completely, Mark, remove that from the blueprint here, it feels like you're you're flirting with disaster. Well, quite so so I I can think it's it's a move toward the uh, insane to toward the insane, but they can prove me completely wrong by winning a Super Bowl title this year because they must feel themselves to be in that realm. Not that they're you know, logically super far removed from it. But I'm not sure this is even a better team than it was a year ago. I don't think it is. I think they've got distinct depth issues. Their offensive line is a mess. Todd Gurley is a big question mark. And the biggest cornerbacked trades that I can remember, because I don't really put Revis into this when he went to the Bucks, because you sent him to Tampa into the total netherworld, was when, you know, mid-90s, when Deion Sanders flip-flopped between the Cowboys and Niners and operated as a last piece of the puzzle that brought both teams a world championship. This is a last piece of the puzzle type move on paper, and I don't think that they're a piece away. You look what else has happened to their secondary in the last 24 hours, and I'm just not sure the Rams are that much better of a team right now than they were a day ago. Maybe I'm completely wrong about this. It threw it's it, it hit me as a little bit too much of a cost. The You're cost is exorbitant. To Johnny Johnson, their safety also moved to IR, so three fourths of their secondary uh, 48 hours ago no longer. Well, Talib Talib was you know not good this year. He was a below average starter. Troy Hill, for what it's worth, has played a little better when he's been in there. John Johnson is a huge loss. Johnny. The fact it's well, they, Johnny. they put Taylor Rapp into the starting lineup now too, so that could end up being you know who knows what that could be. John Johnson be I think, is a good player, and you're losing him off a team that is already shorthanded. But the fact they knew about that when they made this trade. 
tells me it's not for this year. They know they're not as good a team as they were a year ago. I don't think they're blind to that. I think they're certainly hopeful that they could be a much better team by the end of this year, that they can figure out ways to improve. It's only six games here. But the the analysis on this trade that's, you know, flummoxed me the most is that this is some sort of win now. This is it. They're putting all their chips in, in the middle of the table. That's what everyone said a year ago about them, too. And they do have a ton of changes coming up on their defense, but he's under contract through next year at a very, you know, relatively cheap rate. So he's in their team next year. They have the franchise tag after that. And you, of course, do not make this deal without the expressed plan, whether it happens or not, to sign Jalen Ramsey long term. I mean, they just aren't going to make it. And Ramsey, in his first comments since the trade, says he plans to be there, you know, forever and ever. They're going by the logic that it's easy to get picks. And this does run counter to basically everything we've talked about and seen for a long time, which in my mind makes it seem interesting and maybe valuable. You always want to zig when the rest of the league is zagging. Good Difference-making players are a lot harder to find than first-round picks. First-round pick, everyone gets those. Not many people can get game-changing players like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I, I guess you know part of the question is, is Ramsey that sort of player? That's maybe the biggest gamble of, of this entire deal. It's not just a narrative. Uh, Mike Silver, per a organizational decision-maker with the Rams, the quote is, we're swinging for the fences. Yeah. We're in it to win it. That tells me it's for this year and the future, but it's sure, definitely but for it's, this year but too. But it's for both. I think you can do both at the same time always. Like well, the this Rams- weird thing that it's like a choice. They're planning to be competitive and good every single season. Like that's the plan that they, when they traded for Sammy Watkins, that felt like a short-term thing, but then you get the compensatory pick back. And that was a deal that went terribly. They're operating very differently in terms of their team building. There is certainly risk to it, but I think they're looking at like, if you can have five or six core, huge difference makers, we can figure out the rest around them. The problem, you know, the bigger problem is, is Jared Goff, that sort of player. And, And certainly I think, Todd Gurley is not that sort of player, right? Their eyes are wide open. I think they realize it's a risk, but they look at it like even if there's only like, say, a 10% chance of us becoming Super Bowl champions, look what if we manage to nail that drive, drive through the eye of the needle. Look what our franchise will become. If you do that. And you have to give yourself that opportunity. Right. If it's a a chance. If they win a Super Bowl, any questions surrounding this deal melt away because it's going to include Jalen Ramsey probably dancing around the field as they're up in the fourth quarter and will look great. My my concern, whether it's a win this year or a win over the next two years type thing, is that. Five years. I think he's going to be on this team. But there is another way. It's not just that only the bold team ship away first round picks and operate to ignore the draft because you've got a lot of money tied up in Jared Goff. You've got a lot of money tied up in Todd Gurley. I think there's questions about both of those players. In general, I think that it's very fair to critique this. If the Rams come out of this season uh, losing a wild card game and head into the offseason with with no first round draft picks over the next five years, there's different ways to build teams. This is a distinctive departure from the norm and trade tsunamis are fine. Too much tsunami is too much tsunami. Now to the Jaguar side of things, starting with a missive from Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Tom Coughlin. Given the situation with Jalen, we made this decision based on what we thought is 
in the best interest of the Jacksonville Jaguars. For this season and well into the future, we feel the trade that we struck with the Rams gives us great value for the next two drafts, and we remain very confident that our team today will compete this season for a division title. Jalen was a productive player, but the time came to move on, and we wish him and his family the best in Los Angeles. Um, I've made myself exceedingly clear on, on the Jalen Ramsey situation. I found it distasteful, distasteful and um, ugly that he sat out these past three games, and I thought it said a lot about him. Um, and good luck to the Rams. And ho- hopefully he stays happy with Los Angeles, so the same thing's going to happen to you one day. Um, but he is out of the building, and you have to – I thought one of the downsides, in addition to abandoning your teammates like Jalen Ramsey did, um, was that you may kneecap the Jags uh, in terms of uh, trade value. But that's not what happened here. Obviously, this is they are they are nicely set up now to kind of figure out what comes next for this franchise. So while you don't want to ever take out a gifted uh, cornerback in his mid twenties, at least they didn't end up in a situation where they're getting 50 cents on the dollar. It was pretty good uh, value, all things considered. I think good owner work by Shad Khan that he stepped in. Sounds like, according to Charles Robinson Yahoo, he didn't really want to trade Ramsey. That, that I think the front office, you know, according to the reporting, and you can kind of read between the lines, Coughlin and Ramsey had a dust-up. They had something that happened between them that immediately afterwards, Ramsey asked for the trade, and they were never able to bridge that gap. Khan was trying to have it both ways, where he was trying to get them back together. He was trying to keep Ramsey as part of the organization. And while I think some teams thought initially, and, and there are reports out there who it was, the Eagles, the Saints, the, the Bears maybe, that Ramsey was going to get traded pretty quickly, Khan kind of stepped in said, slow slow your roll. We don't want to do this. And what ended up happening over the last couple of weeks is the price tag went way up because the Rams specifically got more either desperate or just willing to make a big time deal to the point where you kind of have to say yes. Cause w- what are we doing here? Khan was in this position where I think he was feeling like he had to choose between Tom Coughlin uh, and, and his player. And I don't think he necessarily even made that choice, but his statement was really interesting today. Shad Khan said that the Jaguars are doing just fine today. I give kudos to our football staff, not only for managing this matter, Blah, blah, blah. Credit also goes to our players for their professional approach during this situation. It did not go unnoticed. Now it's time to turn attention again. What's most important, the Jaguars. Now that sounds good, but you've got a strange set situation right now, and I'll, and I'll shut up in a second, that the front office maybe wanted one thing. You have a coach who's maybe out there, who knows what he wants. Then you have a GM who doesn't really seem to be in control, the David Caldwell. And then you have Khan, who I think is a good owner overall, but there's a lot of things going on. And I thought Doug Marone's comments today in his press conference were really telling when he was asked about the trade. I just wish I can give you the insight and the answers that 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 that, that question needs to be answered. I don't have that. So, um, and I wish we can get someone up here that can, can answer it. Motioning to do. the side of the room but to his PR director. It, you know what I'm saying, Gene? It's me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I really, you don't, you don't know. You know, you don't know until down the road. Translation, they don't tell me anything. He sounds like every <laughs> uncle that was ever at a family barbecue when I was growing up. <laughs> I that think they're bro. treating him Translation, like... Translation, I'm not involved. They're and, treating him like an uncle at the and barbecue. And why do I have to answer for stuff I don't want to do or not involved in? Something else. I do think, though, that like there are a lot of owners who are great at business outside of football, and they come in and they can't handle 
the football business at all. I don't feel that way about Shad Khan. So, yes, Marcus Peters, as we said, he gets traded to the Ravens um, in exchange for linebacker Kenny Young. Uh, also a undisclosed draft pick. I think it's a fifth round pick. Yeah. Yeah. So Peters gets a fresh start with Baltimore. Seems like a, a very uh, Baltimorean trade. Chris Wessling. Well, the Ravens are a defense in flux right now. They signed a pair of inside linebackers off the street, LJ Fort and Josh Bynes, who immediately went into their starting lineup and their starters were benched. Now their secondary is getting the same treatment. Jimmy Smith finally returned from his MCL injury to practice this week. You throw Marcus Peters in there, Tony Jefferson, their safety out for the year. Uh, They've got a lot of flux right there on their defense. So they are doing the same thing the Rams are kind of doing, like starting over in week seven on your defense as far as making huge changes. That Peters is playing pretty well this year. That's the f- strange thing about this trade. We hear he's not a great tackler, but I think he was playing fairly well. It's funny because we everyone was so excited about the Peters to leave combo. It didn't really work out. Then again, you think about it, and it's like, you know, they held the Patriots to 13 points in the Super Bowl. They, their defense had a Super Bowl winning performance, and then yeah, everyone would have said that those moves were fine. Their cornerbacks were terrible last year. I wouldn't say they were terrible. Tlaib was fine. Um, you, if you read about this, also you're hearing that the Rams are sick of Marcus Peters too, potentially well, behind the scenes. It was two days ago, Sean McVay as were the said Chiefs they, once upon a time. They absolutely wanted to re-sign him. This is a football issue, not a character issue. You know, Les Snead said even today, like when I told Marcus Peters about this, no athlete could have handled it better. He was classy. Um, I don't think it's a character thing. Freelancing on the football field is a football issue, not a character thing. So I, I think. I don't want to. I don't want our podcast to go out there and say this guy was a handful for the Rams to deal with because we're not hearing that. And I think he fits what the Ravens like to do. They want to be able to get a little more creative up front by letting their corners cover man to man, which is certainly you know the way Peters rolls in, instead of playing zone. I mean, that's a question about Ramsey too. I, I just I want to see Jalen Ramsey kind of be the best corner in the league. I think he's only been at that level for spurts. You know what I mean? And and so we'll see. Like For one whole season. Sure. But that wasn't, you know, that was a couple seasons ago. And so I, I think it's a great move for the, the Ravens. I mean, they traded a guy. They, they Kenny Young was just a throw on. He had been benched for three straight weeks. The one, Rams decided they wanted to pay Jalen Ramsey rather than Marcus Peters. Yep. One more trade here. The, Bra- uh, the Browns um, give up on Austin Corbett, the offensive lineman that they took 33 overall uh, in the 2018 draft. They send him to the Rams. So the Rams make another deal. Uh, for a fifth-round draft pick in 2021. Uh, Mark Corbett, when he came aboard, that's obviously that's essentially almost a first-round pick there, but they decided quite quickly, I guess, that he wasn't the answer for them. Well, that second round also brought Nick Chubb, who has been a raging success, but that is a John Dorsey swing and a miss and a totally, totally acknowledging it by moving on him. They tried everything. They tried putting him at every position to the point where he was considered to be the future left tackle. They thought he might be able to take over the center position from J.C. Treader, who they need to re-sign. I don't know what the Rams, uh, you know, they, they probably think we can turn him around and fix it, but they're going to get stuck having to deal lower picks or work on guys that other teams are passing on, I think directly relates to their lack of higher picks in the draft. Because how are you going to replace Andrew Whitworth, who's not going to be there probably after this season or probably shouldn't be? You're not going to do it with a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick. That is where I do get concerned about the high bounty of places. There's only certain places you can get a left tackle. Because any worth. concerns. Right. And the, there's no solution that seems apparent for this year's offensive line. 
I mean, Austin Corbett certainly isn't it. They might as well take a swing, but it's like there's no obvious way for them to fix it. Uh, in other Browns news, this happened right before we came upstairs. Miles Garrett tweeted out, and I'll read the, the tweet word for word here, a, quote, fan, close quote, hopped out of his car to take a picture with me and then punched me in my face. Hmm, put your legs into it. Might actually made me flinch. Thumbs up. Now, this I'm kind of fascinated by this because Miles Garrett is the most, arguably, of course, but I believe the most physically imposing player in football. When you see, if you remember Hard Knocks, just him walking around with his shirt off, he seems superhuman. I mean, I mean his size and his strength and his build. He would be the last guy you would ever uh, try to uh, sucker punch. And then there's all, you know, theory. now what, who would do such a thing, Mark? Do you know the person who did this? Let's start there. No, of course not. But I oh. mean, if if you're going to go and play the sucker punching fan role, why go hit? <laughs> I didn't know there was one. Well, I don't know. That, I didn't know there was either. But you don't want to nail some third round line, third string linebacker. Go for the height and tr- go for his, you know, go for the best target you can. to Miles Garrett, he just brushed it off entirely because I think he's made entirely out of iron and stone and can't be, you know, knocked around by some jabroni fan. But to me, a non-story. No, that's an amazing story. It's not a great story, but that's a story. Get it together, bro. Find the guy and lock him up. Find that dude. Yeah, lock him up. And you know what? Not yeah. legal, by the way. Ask him about this. I want to know why you did it. I got a feeling maybe he was looking for money. He was trying to go the millionaire football player to knock him out. But that's just speculation by me. Let's move on. Very, a little serious in the room right now. Talk let's, about oh, let's loosen up a little bit. Punching above your weight. Okay, here we go. Keep moving. The Titans will start Ryan Tannehill over Marcus Mariota against the Chargers. Um, That came from Rap Sheet and Tom Pelissero on Tuesday night. Uh, This comes, of course, after Mariota um, struggled mightily against the Denver Broncos. He couldn't lead the team past midfield before Tannehill came on and finished out that uh, 16 to nil defeat. So here comes Tannehill. Uh, I think... A lot of people, Greg, saw this as a possibility at some point in the season. Are you surprised that it happened in the middle of October? I'm very surprised. Not, I guess not as much after watching Mariota this season that it happened, but I wouldn't have guessed that coming into the year. Because Tannehill has so many of the similar issues that Mariota does, which starts with kind of a lack of feel of the position and reading defenses and, and getting rid of the ball quickly, making quick decisions. They're, they're very similar players, both very, very athletic. Uh, I don't know. I just, it's hard to imagine Tannehill saving them. Well, they both, to use a phrase that Alex Mason, our buddy with sky sports, they both eat sacks. They just love to munch on sacks all day long. That's their style. And Mariota had gotten to the point where he can't drive the ball down the field or into tight windows. That was never a strength of his, and it had gotten worse. The Titans, by DVOA, Football Outsiders metric, 29 in efficiency, 27 in pass, 26 in run, 32 in pass blocking, 27 in run blocking, 29 in yards per drive, 28 in drive success rate. They were miserable. They were down there with the Dolphins and Bengals and the pre-Darnold Jets as as the dregs of the lead. Mm. And you had to you had to change it up. You know, I was reminded someone found a tweet of mine from Thanksgiving time 2016. What a time. Mariota was coming off an eight-game stretch with a 21 to 3 TD to INT ratio and a 118 passer rating. The Titans were averaging over 30 points a game during that eight-game stretch. That ended up being 
sort of where the wave crested and then rolled back and washed mm-hmm. away his Titans career. Yeah, I don't view the move as having really anything to do with Ryan Tannehill. I think it's just a team that probably could have benched Mar- Mariota last year and benched him for good. And they're done with him. He's gone. He won't be on the team next season. And it's probably a softer entree into that move by simply putting Tannehill in there earlier. I'd guess he'd, uh, Mariota probably start again just because I feel like their problems are so significant. Their offensive line is, you know. is dead last in pass blocking, and their new play caller, Arthur Smith, hasn't done anything well, here's the to thing. impress anyone. Malarkey was the peak. He was peak Titans. Everyone, including in this room, myself, we had a lot of fun uh, at old uh, Mike Malarkey's expense. But you know what? It never got any better. That was actually the best the Titans ever were. Exotic smash mouth, baby. <laughs> there's, a, there, there's a discussion to be had. What would you rather have? The first round pick, especially the you know early first round, like Mariota was number two overall, that flames out spectacularly, or and you know pretty quickly that he's not the answer, like a Paxton Lynch, or is Mariota almost worse? A guy that you essentially dedicated five years to, waited and waited and hoped and hoped, and now where are they? I mean, they're a host of nine and seven seasons, uh, one playoff win. And now they're going to essentially start over at the position. It's kind of, in a way, a worst-case scenario when it comes to building through the top of the draft. It's probably more off-seasons of trying of you know this this narrative where oh you know Mariota's put on weight and blah 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 and he's looking strong and like it's the same thing with Winston. It's a half a decade under the river. It's worse. It's a different room in hell. It's well, I don't know why. Than, it's not it's, worse. It's somehow worse than the huge bust. Well, the worst possible result is I don't is know getting Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill was seven seasons, right? Or six seasons where you gave him a second contract because he kind of tricked you into it. And Bortles was like that, too. You could say Dalton, too. Right. Yep. I don't like Dalton at one point, 2015. They were a Super Bowl. <laughs> I shouldn't contender. have said Dalton. Let's leave Dalton out of I'm this. I'm just saying they he's were a Andy Super Dalton. Bowl contender. Yes, he's I just, the Dalton scale. I just think for the health of your franchise, you're probably better off flaming out and then trying again because unless you're actually right, you just need as many. Johnny cracks. Manziel, a perfect right. example. Horrible, embarrassing, terrible, but very quickly they were able to regroup and then go get the guy they I, liked. Well, all right. So, you know, and if you're a fan base that's lived through both kind of failures, neither are pleasant, and there isn't a real way to measure one being a lot worse than the other, I don't think, but you want a front office that has eyes open that says, we're three years into this. We could continue to sell people Jameis Winston. He's going to continue to have three and four and five interception games and then we'll give you a right. fiddle and song dance all offseason. The coach X is going to fix him, but a good, the better front offices say, we can self-scout. He does. He's not working. We're three years into Mariota. Cut bait. Now, I don't believed. think this is why the Rams, <laughs> why the Rams tra- are trading away first round picks, but I think it was Warren Sharp tweeted out the top five picks at quarterback in the last 25 years. It's a pretty low hit rate. It is less, it is less than half. And, you know, and even the hits are, you know, include st- guys like Stafford. It's great. It is like so tough. It's not that. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to evaluate your own quarterback when you can't extract his surrounding talent and the play caller. And if you thought, Brian Tannehill replacing Marcus Mariota ultimately didn't really matter. I got <laughs> something for you even more. Down this path, Ryan Fitzpatrick will start for the Dolphins on Sunday against the Bills, sending Josh Rosen to the bench. This comes four days after uh, 
Brian Flores, the Dolphins coach, said that Josh Rosen, the second-year passer, will start for the rest of the season. He had a change of heart, and a lot of it, I imagine, had to do with Rosen's abysmal showing uh, against the previously winless Redskins, where he went 15 of 25 for 85 yards and two terrible interceptions. So Fitzmagic back in, and I, you know, it does show you the difference. Brian Flores wants to win games. The Dolphins, as an organization, want to lose games. Well, the coach wins on this one because Fitz, Fitzpatrick absolutely gives them a better chance to win, I believe, at this time. But still, what I mean by it doesn't matter. Well, the Dolphins are irrelevant. And also, there's only so much anyone could do, especially 36-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick always gives you a better chance to win until a game or two later when you come to the conclusion that he doesn't give you a better chance <laughs> to win. And then Josh Rosen will come and back. And then in. Josh Rosen will come back. <laughs> the most exciting thing that happened about the Dolphins today was their beat writer uh, for, I think it's a the Florida Sentinel, Safid Dean, sent out a great hit of Brian Flores knocking the teeth out of Frank Gore in a college football game in 1993, forcing a fumble that was a linebacker. Wait, Frank Gore was playing college football in 1993? I don't know what year it was. That can't be true. No, it wasn't How old is this, man? It wasn't 93. Whatever 2003, year, maybe? Whatever year it is, Flores had some pop, and I was excited to see it. Um, all right. 2003 is correct. All right, Wes, buckle up. The NFL Competition Committee, uh, their chairman, Rich McKay, told reporters on Tuesday, it's too early in the season to make a declaration on the effectiveness on replay review of offensive and defensive pass interference. Wes, I know you want to hear from Mr. McKay, don't you? No. Well, you're going to hear from him anyway. <laughs> I don't think, uh, Ian, that, that we, we would give Ian. information on, on whether a rule that's been in place Thought for she does uh, friends? six weeks is Podcast? working or not working. Um, <laughs> You know, let, let's let the season play out. Um, just like in use of helmet uh, last year, we waited till the it was a new rule. We waited to the end of the year. We went back and examined all of it. We definitely looked at the officiating of it. We looked at the teaching of it, and I think we've gotten ourselves in a pretty good place. Chris, well, it's like listening to Vince McMahon. I mean, why would I believe any of this? I think new listeners might be surprised because I grumble a lot about the rules. Check the archives of the first few uh, years we had this podcast. And I said every time football is so much better than the other sports when it comes to the competition committee, making the game entertaining, progressing the game. I used to say that all the time. And now they can't get out of their own way. And it's this competition committee. Look, this idea that we have to wait till the end of the year to know this is a debacle is crazy. So what's your goal? So that by playoff time, we're going to have a totally different role than the one that's been called all year, that nobody's going to know what passer. All these guys have been told you have to mug someone at the catch in order for it to be called. It only matters if it happens in January. I, that can't be a goal. It, it's, it's not a goal. It's like when the catch rule was in place and we kept hearing this boogeyman of fumbles. Oh, no, we can't change the catch rule because then there'll be so many fumbles. Wait, we had the similar catch rule 10 years before that, and fumbles weren't an issue. There's always some boogeyman now that they got to tell us about. It's a credibility issue. It's a waste of time issue. You cannot show something on a TV screen and then tell people you didn't see that. That's, I mean, I don't. Well said. Moving on. Uh, the Patriots made a roster move. They suspended veteran defensive lineman Michael Bennett for their Monday night game against the New York Jets. Uh, why? It was conduct detrimental to the team. He did. He was not at practice on Tuesday. Uh, he did issue a statement uh, to ESPN regarding the one-week ban um, on Friday. I had a philosophical 
disagreement with my position coach that has led to my suspension. I apologize to my teammates for any distraction this may have caused. He played 11 sacks against the Giants, uh, 11 snaps against the Giants, 14 snaps against the Redskins, so it doesn't have the role he wants. But I, I'm just really taken by how he, the Patriots even turned Michael Bennett into a robot. I mean, that from, that's Michael Bennett's statement? That, that's what we get from Michael Bennett after he gets suspended? Really wants to win that Super Bowl. They turned him into a robot. Well, not on the field. That's that's what Michael Bennett sounds like now, Mark. That's what he sounds like, Sessler. I mean, I knew a sound bit was coming, so I was Jesus. I didn't want to interrupt. Tough crowd. What what, what do we think about this? I uh, well, he's not a robot on the field. I think the defense is different than they ever imagined. They played four men or uh, defensive line almost half the snaps last year. This year, they play a four-man defensive line, virtually no snaps. It's a 3-4 defense where they're asking the defensive linemen to occupy blockers. That's not really what Michael Bennett does or necessarily wants to do, probably. And so he's not really playing. I mean, a guy like Adam Butler is playing way more than Michael Bennett. I think they'll find a way to use him eventually because that's just what they do. Or he'll be chopped unless, I mean, I would love if he could come in and maybe. The Eagles could use him, you know, in his normal role. I do wonder, and there's been speculation in New England, like, would he have a decent trade market that you get anything for Michael Bennett? You would think the Eagles would be like, come on, give him to me. We'll give you, uh, I don't know. How many teams has Michael Bennett been on now? I feel like he changes teams like three times a year now. Hawks, Seahawks. Ever Eagles. since he, you know, generated his slight towards you at the Super Bowl, Dan, it's been, uh, it's been he's been a journeyman. I almost forgot about that. Think about that. <laughs> Put it all together. Uh, finally in the news, Brock Osweiler announced his retirement. I'm extremely grateful for the time I did receive playing in the National Football League, he said in an interview with Nine News. Uh, he hangs up his cleats, having earned $41.3 million over seven seasons. I'd retire, too. Timing is everything. What more is to be accomplished? <laughs> I mean, Bill, Bill O'Brien's pulled off a lot of career kind of resuscitations or just like hanging, you know, walking that high wire act and keeping it all going. Surviving the Brock Eiswaller fiasco to get to the point he is now where he could make those tunsil trades and everything else that's actually looking great this year is was his greatest feat. Because that you know usually what? would bury lesser men. Signed signed him to that big contract, but they were able to move him out of town quickly. To the Browns. One year. And very quickly, yes, was able to diagnose, oh, we botched this, I botched this. Let's go get a young player who just so happened to be Deshaun Watson. And by the way, as bad as uh, John, uh, John Elway has been since the Super Bowl, he he got bailed out of that because he offered Osweiler a ton of money to stay in Denver. So could this Elway messy post-Super Bowl 50 legacy could even be worse right now, uh, but he got bailed out there. <laughs> That's a good point. People I also mean, thought that, that the way that the Browns traded for Osweiler to absorb a big, big chunk of salary cap away from the Texans and get a pick, that that would be the wave of the future. How many teams have done that since? Well, right. They got Austin Corbett for the trouble, right? Or oh, one he, of those. But who knows? I don't know which pick it actually well, turned out to be. Helped everything. There are no Osweilers in the future, so it can't be a wave. <laughs> that is what is happening in the news. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to it. Trade scenarios that aren't stupid clickbait. Buying for idiots, so throwing out there. Uh, we got to hear who the players involved. I'd like to know the terms as well to really decide whether or not this is a uh, a feasible trade. All right, I'll th I'll throw out one before someone else throws out a Nick Foles trade. Smart, smart. You know, you want to get in front of an exercise like this so you don't lose one of your. I mean, this one makes so much sense. Reps. Now, 
this Thursday's game, which we'll get to in a second, could have an, an effect on the Denver Broncos. But let's say they lose this game. And let's say they're thinking about next year. I think they could trade a couple veterans over to the Jacksonville Jaguars and get the quarterback they wanted all along in Nick Foles. Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, and a third-round pick for Nick Foles. Now, that almost sounds like a lot. A lot. That's way too much. Wolf is all... Chris Wolf and, Harris is a better player than Nick Foles. Here, you go, here, listen to this. Chris Harris and Derek Wolf are on the last year of their contract. It's just for this year. It's just to make the Jaguars better this year. Wolf didn't look like his career would necessarily be continuing maybe that longly, at least the way he was playing earlier. So that's just, again, another guy on his contract year that you're just taking a swing at. And a third-round pick. Considering the price of quarterbacks, including you know Nick Foles, in, in other trades, I actually think that's pretty reasonable. You're you're basically getting rid of two guys you want to get rid of anyways, and you're trading a mid-round pick, and suddenly you have your starter uh, for late this season and then into next season at a very reasonable price. Everyone's happy. No way I'm doing that if I'm the Broncos. Really? No way. Why would I believe I think that Foles is better than, than having Flacco and Drew Locke? My, yeah, my concern would be just what is what is Nick Foles as a 16-game starter at this point? It, it, there's just too much evidence that durability is an issue, and his stretch as a play that lasts beyond in Philadelphia three or four games. Here's what are John messy. Elway, if he's done any, he hasn't done anything right at quarterback. You got to keep taking swings until you get one. Yeah, you but that swing costing a third-round pick, Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, and the possibility of <laughs> yeah, getting those, back into the race. Those this two year. guys are giveaways. I mean, they're going to give them away to someone. But you're also giving year. up ten games of your season. Right. I, I'm assuming they're going to lose Thursday night, and well, that they're not going to, they're not going to be a factor. Mm-hmm. Uh. Two weeks from now, they might be two and six. It's always dangerous bringing this up in this room, but so, but that would also then be turning over the franchise to Gardner Minshew after four games. No, I, I like I. I'm not going to come at you about that because I think you need to you need to be sure about Gardner Minshew because the you know we talk about the first round quarterbacks that flame out. There's been just as many stories of guys that turn it on for six or seven weeks, then they're totally exposed. And so you I'm w- not saying I, I'm not saying that's what I think Minshew is, I, I but know, it would but, be a big leap to Foles, who you had coveted for a long time. You you give him the deal, you get him on the first day of free agency, and because he gets hurt and the this unknown comes in and, and lights it up, you make the move. Yeah, I, I think we're on the if we're going to be concerned about the sample size of Nick Foles as a starter, well, we should definitely be about a rookie who's been exciting but been in there for a month plus. All right, uh, not bad, Greg. Not bad. Not bad at all. Little clickbaity, but uh. yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't get too upset. Anything with Foles is going to be clickbaity. <laughs> all right, um, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling generous. I'm going to stay out of the way here. I want to hear more from you guys, Wes. <laughs> well, we talked about that the norm. Thank you. What is the uh-huh. norm around Great. the league? And what we talked about zigging when everyone else is zagging. Well, overpaying and swinging for the fences, worrying about the future later, is the new norm. The Rams, the Texans, the Steelers with Minka Fitzpatrick, Chiefs with Frank Clark, Bears with Khalil Mack, Saints with Marcus Davenport, 49ers with D. Ford. And I've got the, the Trent Williams to the Browns thing. There's some smoke here. I don't know if there's any fire, but there's definitely some smoke with John Dorsey, Browns GM, saying he's had a few conversations with Redskins GM Bruce Allen, but it takes two to tango. Canton Repository reported that Trent Williams should be on the Browns roster quite soon. Seems like more of a rumor than than anything else. But um, there does appear to be smoke here, and I think the Browns would have to overpay. We're in a seller's market. And right now you have Bruce Allen running the football side. 
of one of the most valuable franchises in the NFL. And instead of mining that 31-year-old with major durability issues and no intention of ever playing for your team, for a bounty of draft picks to rebuild, you're opting for spite. You're just saying, I'm waiting. I'm not going to trade him. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt and saying that he's simply holding out for a godfather deal in an obvious seller's market. What about a first, third, and fifth round pick for Trent Williams? Browns have an extra mid-round pick for Duke Johnson and another fifth for a Wyatt Teller trade. So they've got some extra pick. This one actually reminds me a little bit of the Amari Cooper trade. The need is for a number one wide receiver, and there's only one available. Now the need is for a left tackle. There's only one available. You have to overpay if you want him. The reason I do it if I'm Cleveland, whether you like the cost or not, is that the problem isn't going away. You're going to have to go into the offseason where probably he's the number one tradable target still, if that's what the Redskins are saying they want to do. Or you have to hope that you hit on a left tackle in the draft, which has been a dodgy proposition for teams too. We know he's good. You get him this season and you get him into the future and he's not a young left tackle. It's not Laramie Tunsil. So the sooner the better. And if you're the Redskins, you're going to get more now, I think, than you would six months from now in the offseason, I the, presume. From the Browns' side of it, he's going to want to become the highest-paid left tackle in the league, right? Or otherwise, he's going to be as upset. I know there was no, some medical I, stuff with Washington. I don't, I don't think this is about money. It's always about money. Everything's no, about money. Yeah, but I think Washington, he feels burned by the way That's he a big part of this. He's not, he wasn't looking for a new deal. He, does, he doesn't much, want to play for the Redskins. If he gets traded, you don't think he's going to be looking for a new contract? Then you give him a new deal because it's the well, mo- to most my point, important position. Working on the under the assumption, which I guess could be flawed, that Trent Williams wouldn't want a new deal um, to replace his current one. You have Odell Beckham, one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league. Baker Mayfield on a rookie deal, but won't be forever and will get want M- Mondo money. Nick Chubb, you already have Miles Garrett, who's going to need big money. You have Denzel Ward, who's going to need big money. I guess the the one thing you get in trouble with potentially in bringing in a veteran left tackle is you don't want to be top heavy team. We've talked about that on the on this podcast. But the names you mentioned makes it they should pay for Trent Williams now because Baker Ward and Chubb won't have there to be is a paid window. for a long time. Well, well also we can't we can't like t- talk about the Rams being at the forefront of team building by paying huge I don't think money. the Rams are. Well, I don't, all right, I, I don't agree with you, but the if they're at, they're paying five or six veterans exorbitant money. The Browns are talking about three or four people that aren't going to get paid for at least two more seasons. Well, what's unsaid in all this is there's a new CBA coming in 2021, in theory. And I think the Rams are playing a little into that uncertainty. Where is this cap going to go? Like, what what is that landscape going to look like in general? Who knows? Trent Williams is about as high risk, high reward as you can possibly have. He's not Laramie Tunsil. He missed. He didn't play that well last year. In the previous two seasons, he played through a torn patella tendon, and then last season, he missed time with thumb, knee, and rib injuries. Also he's also one brain of the, surgery. He's also one of the great left tackles. It's a lot you know, going on a there. Borderline Hall of Fame player if he had been on a different franchise, maybe even with this franchise. So he could be a total win, and it, but there's a ton of risk that comes with it. Mark. All right. This one is... This is guy, someone I thought would have been traded before, and he wasn't. It's Melvin Gordon. And here, uh, the reason I think you have a seller potentially in the Chargers is because of the elongated holdout, because he's returned to the field and he's just not really 
a fit and he's not boosting the offense. You, you are already super deep at the position. If anything, Melvin Gordon, and it's not his fault, has come back and reduced the value of Austin Eckler. And kind of the offense for the last couple of weeks where they're trying to shove him in there and give him increased carries, it just feels like you're catering I, to all the wrong ideas here. I want to hear where you see him going because well, I, I kind of was racking my brain on that, where Melvin Gordon makes sense it's, in a trade. It's not, it's not an immediate home run this minute. But the reason I think it would make sense is that you are the Buffalo Bills that are going to need like to be a this. run-heavy team no matter what because of the quarterback you have. Frank Gore has been good this year, but after this season, Frank Gore will not be on the Bills. Devin Singletary is valuable, but behind the him, you've got nothing. So you'd have Melvin Gordon and Devin Singletary rolling into the offseason. And I think you sign Melvin Gordon without even worrying about it to a long-term extension, and you have a backfield to battle against. I have bills for Melvin Gordon, too. Wow. I like it. Look at that. I think Singletary is a guy, a core piece to build around. The problem is you, haven't just, you just haven't seen it too much. And it he, might be their Eckler, though. Right. He should be paired. It's not a bad thing to pair him with someone anyhow. I don't like that for, you know, 2019 Frank Gore. Um, Frank Gordon's well, not going anywhere. I don't think Melvin, he was playing college in 1993. Right. I don't think Melvin Gordon is necessarily field ready at this point, so I don't think he has to go play 30 snaps for the Bills next week or something. Also, I also didn't if, mention the terms, so they got him for nothing. I would like to know the terms. What, what is Melvin I, well, Gordon I don't worth think you can, a I don't think year? you can get a first-round pick from Melvin Gordon. Now, that's just me. I'm not no great at I this don't game. Think so. I think second-round pick. Second rounder. Maybe that, maybe even third and third and something else instead of a second. You know, I don't even think you can get a second. I'm not sure. You I don't know if you can get a third, bro. Third seems bro. right. Third feels like you could you could have a high value. I mean, like everyone has got a third for Tyrod Taylor. You got you got Devin or Singletary. Whatever third, if you're willing to pay a Gordon money to a third, that's a lot. Mark, you really brought that in for a landing. Good job. Thank you. Wait, nice player. Thank you, Dan. Nice team. Even also, the terms were pretty good. Also, a 35-year-old running back, <laughs> it's reasonable to suspect that he may not be as strong in January as he was in Hey, January. I remember you honking about Frank Gore being done about four years ago. He's still chucking, <laughs> breaking records. He's chucking and breaking chucking. records. Uh, all right, I will now go. Maybe I'll even snake it. Get a double on this one. Uh, all right. He had three touchdowns last week. Value will never be higher. He still hates his quarterback and doesn't want to be in Minnesota. Stefan Diggs. <laughs> uh, and I, I think about who really who's a contender who really needs wide receiver help. It's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, now, do the Vikings want to trade smells, one, of, smells clickbaity. one of their top <laughs> one of their top um, offensive assets to a division rival? Probably not. So this is more. Um, yeah, maybe a little clickbaity, but also a, a logical fit, because I think the Packers need help even with. Devontae Adams healthy, which he is not. And he might not be healthy all year. Well, we'll see. Turf toe? It's not something you mess with. So the Packers might find themselves in a desperate situation where they really feel like they need to uh, make a move. Because I will say that uh, MVS, you know, jury is out there, but he hasn't come exploding out of the gates in his number two slash number one role with the Packers. That's fair, dog. Geronimo, Geronimo Allison, same thing. And he actually exited uh, uh, their last game with an injury. Uh, so he hasn't jumped off the page. I know the Lizard had a big uh, big catch. 
Uh, I didn't even know well, who that person was before Monday. I love the Aaron jo- Aaron Rodgers stare to the sideline when Lazard caught the touchdown. Like, see, I told you this guy could play. Stop I playing. Lazard looks like a player. Maybe the Lizard can play. Uh, but you know, we we they need contributions now so this offense does not stagnate. I mean, if we're not counting on Gardner Minshew, we're not, or should we be counting on Lazard? After I I am not. That would be yeah. a happy surprise if he ends right. up being their top wide out or a, a big contributor. So Stefan Diggs wants out. Send him to the Packers. Uh, and see, sometimes you can get cute with the terms here. You send a second and a fourth to Minnesota, and they send you digs and a fifth, and everyone is happy. Why? Why would the Vikings be happy? With hey, Viking! Hey, Packers! Come beat us this year in the division. Why would they be happy? Yeah, because well- Diggs is unhappy, and sometimes, as we learn in the NFL, you lose. Uh, your agency as an organization when a, a man doesn't feel good anymore. No, they have well, all the agency in the world. They they control his rights. They can this, do, do they, though? Want. This team is of as course. win now Did as any know? team out there. The Vikings are in win now mode. I don't. I just don't see them giving up Stephon Diggs. I think they're like they're also the like Jaguars the, thought they were the in Jets win now and more. the Patriots. The Jets mode. and the Patriots are never. The Raiders thought they were win now mode. They're never trading to each other. You guys got to catch up to the times. It's not well, about Stephon, whether you, teams want to keep guys anymore. It's whether guys want to stay. But they would never help the Packers. This, you got to you got to add a first round pick and then some. Why? Because Stephon Diggs is the best receiver on that team, better than Adam Thielen, and he's one of the best in the NFL getting open. That's a hot take. He's a top 20 NFL receiver. You're not going to trade him to your big division rival almost under any circumstance, I would say. I would say even if they were one and four, they probably wouldn't, much less four and two. I just feel like if you're going to give him away for that low cost, not that far after the Amari Cooper deal, you're going to get targeted by your fans and others to track team. They're going to they're going to come all over that deal. I, I just terms. I just think that ah I just think that um, <laughs> going to phrase that differently. I was wondering if anyone was going to do. I, well, I, everyone did. So <laughs> I just think you guys saying like oh at four and two they wouldn't do it. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. This is the modern landscape of the NFL. If Stephon not, though, Diggs tell really me, tell me a division rival that's just giving away great if players. Stephon to Diggs another division really rival. wants to no longer be on the Vikings. He knows what he has to do to do it. It's different. Stefan Diggs just signed a five-year deal or a four-year deal. I mean, he just signed to re-up with this team. Jaylen Antonio Manzi Brown just signed. signed a deal with the Raiders. Antonio Brown's a crazy person. <laughs> I stand by my trade. And now I'll snake to another deal. All right. The Eagles, they're not going anywhere if they don't fix that secondary. Let's face it. It's been a problem all year. And they couldn't even compete, speaking of uh, Stefan Diggs, and Minnesota, they went to Minneapolis and couldn't even compete in that game. They just got roasted by Kirk Cousins uh, in that game, uh, you know, giving up over 300 yards and four touchdowns. And it's it's a recurring issue for them. They need help in that back end. And, you know, the Eagles, a team that's in the mix, even if they've been disappointing, you know, Trader Howie's going to be busy. There's going to be at least one Eagles trade before the deadline, maybe oh, yeah. more. So I'm going to just piece it together that they're going to go get a cornerback and I'll throw out Janaris Jenkins of the Giants, a veteran who's up and down as a player, uh, but perhaps with uh, Jim Schwartz uh, on that defense, they say, hey, maybe we could, you know, help this guy out, build his, uh, improve his game a little bit, you know, and maybe he's revitalized getting out of New York where it's been a pretty rough sledding since he got there pretty much. He's got one more year left on his deal. Uh, he's you know overpaid for what he's given the Giants, but it's not something that's going to bring down your organization if the Eagles can make it work financially. So, Janaris Jenkins, how about a uh, fourth round pick? 
to the Giants in exchange for Jenkins. I I admire you because you can leave it there. It's aggressive. <laughs> there's it's a statement on its own. I mean, it's aggressive to suggest two inside division trades back to back in the snake position in our draft. So I think you did a nice job there. I don't. Yeah, I thought about the the same um, combination. I had Janoris Jenkins going to the Seahawks because I don't think the Giants would help the the Eagles potentially. Um, They'd love to know. get him off their books, though. I think they would be happy to dump him at this point, and he would not Books. be on the team. And that's why I don't think it would cost that much. It's inside football terminology. I love it. I think Books. you're right. He's not on the team next year. He, they might as well save the five, six million dollars he still owed this year. Uh, the Seahawks seem like they would maybe take a, a crack at old uh, Jack Rabbit, put him on the other side of Shaq Griffin. Jack Rabbit Jenkins. The, right. the Eagles did get good news today. Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby, who are their two best cornerbacks in a world where they're healthy, although they haven't been in a long time, return to practice. So that that could help them. Greg, uh, excuse me. We're snaking. Mark. Well, I will make quick. I'll make quick terminology on on your Eagles path, because I had a lot of teams, a lot of players going to the Eagles and I, I like the drag. position too. I think, I think Chris Harris to the Eagles is out there because he gets mentioned over and over and whispered about in these trade rumors. And where is this coming from? Just thin air. And he's, you know, he's taking coming from the same guy who's selling cars out in Denver. That's what I think. Well, exactly. And I think that Chris Harris to the Eagles this also for me. Eagles Broncos are not going to toy with each other at all this season. There's no, you know, it's an easier trade partner. Ah. And the Chris Harris is not long for Denver, I don't think. So Eagles, but I think he's a much better player than Janoris Jenkins. So I think, I mean, there's a reason. Use them both. The reason I'm sitting here and not in a, in a front office, because the, term, the terms are always <laughs> shaky, but a third round pick for Chris Harris, that feels... Like the Broncos didn't get a whole. I lot like how there. your confidence falls off a table when it comes times for the uh, the terms. Because the terms but. are ridiculous to me in most of these deals, and I think they're often surprising. They're also shifty. People are paying way more now than I remember at any time in the NFL. Compensatory pick is part of it. Is you're mm-hmm. going to get one if you Chris Harris leaves, and you know the formula you're expecting to get one for the formula. It's tricky. Wes, you're up. Dan, would you take a second round pick for Leonard Williams? Yes. Right all right, it's a deal. Leonard Williams to the Packers for a second-round pick. He wow. And, he and Dean Lowry bookend Kenny Clark. They're not going to give <clears> – <throat> I'll tell you why, I'll do, why I do it. Cause, and I like Leonard Williams, even if he never became like the Warren Sapp or whatever people always say about interior linemen when they get drafted high in the first round. Um, they're not going to give him a massive contract after the year. And somebody's going to w- be willing to look at his potential and give him huge money in free agency. So you're, you're going to lose him. And then what would you get? Probably like a third round pick. So if you're offering me a second round pick, let's go. Let's yeah, fly. To the Packers who send them out of the conference and, you know, that's it. Play better run defense last week, but run defense has been an issue. He could line up there as a 3-4 defensive end. That's where he belongs anyway. And they have Quinnen Williams there, of, of course, who they drafted in the first round this year. So I don't know why we're always trying to make the Packers better, but I like it. Yeah, the, and does Mike Patton, he didn't cross over with Leonard Williams, right? You don't get that. Would have liked to, I'm don't sure. Think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. It does sound you keep on hearing it in the among the Jets beat writers that they are going to make a move. I do wonder, though, what would happen, Greg, if by some miracle they beat the Patriots on Monday night, if that would change everything about their philosophy. You've heard Robbie Anderson thrown, thrown out there as a possibility. Leonard Williams is being bandied about constantly. Well, uh, the, the we'll trade see. deadline is is two games away for all these teams. So that's a lot more information. If the Broncos, for instance, win two games – 
they're probably not going to be looking to be as aggressive as if they're two and six. It makes a big difference. And the Jets, I would throw into that camp. Janoris was my second one, but I'll just throw out a, a player I think can help a team. How about Kenyon Drake to the Colts for a fifth rounder? I think Kenyon Drake could be a great extra weapon on an offense. I do too. The Colts could use some more weapons, and I do not think it would cost much to get half a year of Kenyon Drake. I've got Kenyon Drake to the Jags for a fourth-round pick because Leonard Fournette in the passing game turns around like sort of like a cruise ship in the Panama Canal. Wouldn't have to move. Like, if, you know, you're moving from one Florida residency to another, not that long of a drive. Like Owen Daniels in week one of the 2013 season. Like Jason Witten after his drop last week. Oh, poor Jason. Still having a better year in 2019 than 2018. Made some plays. Having a better year than Jimmy Graham is. He's Uh, comeback player of the year. Let's just say it. There are now reports around the Packers with the headline, Jimmy Graham not ready to lose snaps just yet. That's that's the kind of season that we're talking about with uh, Jimmy Graham. They're waiting until Tanyan comes back. <laughs> All right, I, good, good I sag. Tanyan. <laughs> good sag, good sag. Uh, Thursday night football coming up, week seven. It's a freight train. And I, I understand if you're a fan of uh, the Lions or the Packers, you feel like you got jobbed Monday night football, uh, the way the timing fell with our podcast this week. I get it. Don't I mean? Don't take it personal. It's just a matter of timing. But when we hit the preview, uh, the Thursday show preview, we will hit those teams hard, and we'll touch on what happened on Monday night. And yes, Lions fans, we know, you know, we're we're here for you this season. I think the, like they have to have noticed an uptick in our interest in them and attention towards. We them were as furious as Kevin Patra about the officiating in that game. Well, not me. I got a lock out of it. But everyone else deserves to be angry yeah. about. Those penalties. Somehow that got mentioned. Hmm. I I mean, I I think our nice words that we've said about the Lions will more than make up for their back-to-back gut-wrenching losses. (laughs) So now, uh, speaking of the AFC West, uh, because we were speaking about that division earlier on today's podcast, the Kansas City Chiefs coming off back-to-back losses, uh, both at home, by the way. Sleep on that a little bit. It's one it's one, uh, one thing to drop a couple games in a row during a long season. Uh, but when you do a one-two at home, now you got to go on the road. Well, let's see how they respond to that. They go to Empower Field at Mile High, Wes, uh, to face the Denver Broncos, who it's, it's, it's interesting because the Chiefs, they win four to start the season and lose two. The Broncos, they lose four to start the season and now win two. And this is a game, Wes, where we're going to learn a lot about uh, where the Chiefs are offensively because the Broncos' defense has figured it out. Chiefs already ruled out Sammy Watkins, Kendall Fuller, their nickelback, Chris Jones, their best defensive player, uh, and offensive left tackle Eric Fisher, left guard Andrew Wiley. They are extremely shorthanded and were outplayed last week when they were shorthanded. Now they go to Denver where the defense, just in the last two weeks, has jumped from the late 20s to number 8 in DVOA. They are now a top 10 defense. Shout out, I'll do that. Well, it's two, I think, two dominant showings in a row. Um, and then if you throw in the Jaguars game the week before, dominant for about two and a half quarters of that one as well. So you're, you're playing a Denver defense that has transformed the last few weeks. Kareem Jackson playing at a very high level. Alexander Johnson, their inside linebacker I talked about on Sunday's podcast, has been one of the best inside linebackers in the league the last two weeks. Mike Purcell moves into the starting lineup. They've got a lot of changes on that defense, and they're playing well. You hear what that, that is, you guys from Wes? What's that? It's the excitement. Excited to it's coming back a little boys. bit. Yeah, Look, here they, a little they've bit. got them. They've hooked them. <coughs> I, they're, they're going back up the roller coaster. <laughs> I say that 
I, I concede that I was too high on them in the summer, but I think I I think I have been on their pulse since the season started. I know what this Broncos team is, and a lot of people don't. Well, this their season comes down to Thursday night. I mean, it's over if they lose this game and they're two and five, as far as I'm concerned. But you win, and uh, this is kind of a fork in the road game for the AFC West, and they're one game out. Uh, of of the top spot in the division, and the Chiefs have all sorts of problems, and you already have a win over the Chiefs. The Raiders are weirdly in the mix, and it's a totally different division. This is a type of game, though, I think that great players, historic type of players, they just they go find a way to win it. Your team is banged up. You're, you're facing a, a less talented uh, Broncos team on the road. It's a short week. You just need Patrick Mahomes to go in there, carry you, get an ugly win, get out of town, bury the Broncos, bury the ball. Tony Soprano. We love Andy <laughs> Reid's past happy tendencies. Like he's this new, you know, he's an old coach, but everyone's supposedly following his lead and just passing all the time now, except that's works great when everything's working. He's got to find a way to run the ball and help his defense get off the field because his defense is getting, they're playing 40 minutes the last couple of weeks. I, yeah, I was hoping you were just going to keep going there. Like, <laughs> honestly, I was hoping you would go for 15 straight minutes. <laughs> That's next episode. Um, and where I thought you were going is where I will complete it because, okay. yes, great players, when their team needs them, step up, especially when the lights are on a prime time. It brings out that extra gear. And after I broke my skid uh, with that fairly, um, you know, very close to a miracle win, a miracle <laughs> lock for the Packers there. I will now get behind Patrick Mahomes oh, on a two-game losing streak. I did think about it. And I'm going to lock up the Chiefs on the road, <laughs> shorthanded against the revitalized Broncos team because I just, I think Patrick Mahomes is too good to lose three games in a row. Uh, and we're going to see something special from him in this game. I think he's too good too, but he's, I don't know how, if he's too good to do that banged up, Physically not the same guy he's been. His yards per attempt have dropped in half Bankle since he had an ankle injury. Um, you can run on their defense. A shot just, it all and let's go. Well, we'll see. I mean, the, the Broncos, this is this is a team. A couple weeks ago, I would have thought this would have been a nice 39-7 to Chiefs celebration. You just roll into Denver. You eat your free dinner at the hotel. You drop a 39 <laughs> points on Denver, and you fly home, and it's not been all been fine. What a nice Chiefs, weekend. Chiefs are in a tough place. They ever lose this game, they have the Packers and Vikings next. They have not been the same team on offense at all. Hmm. Offense. Broncos or defense, defense. Is yeah, awesome. Their offense isn't, isn't my concern. They're, they moved the ball the last They only last, punted once last week, last week pointed uh, out. But the defense is, is as bad as it gets right now. I mean, they're they're among the worst in the entire NFL. This is kind of the ultimate test for Flacco here because this is a game you you should put up 27 to 30 points if you're a legit NFL offense and you're going to you're going to need to help your defense out and and we'll see. Can't you I like each week I get I like a, the Chiefs too. I'm not locking. I get a vision of who's going to be sitting up there with Joe Thomas and Colleen at the end and everyone's in a celebratory move. I just have a feeling Philip Lindsay so do might I. be that person. Oh, look at it this. just keeps so coming mentally into the Well, considering the Frank, Frank is he gonna Clark. Lo- 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 no. Oh, okay. I will, Thursday night's the last kind of game I'd lock for a road team. Uh, Chiefs are a different type of road team the most, but that's crazy territory. Thursday nights, freaky stuff happens. Well, considering what Marlon Mack and Carlos Hyde just did to this defense, and then Frank Clark says we've lost the passion for defending the run. I trust Andy Reid, and I trust Patrick Mahomes. Stop the skid. I mean, right. Lindsey doesn't even own his own house or rent. Lives with his parents. With his parents. Hey, it's not, not a bad man. idea. Just save up money. Sounds like a good thing. 
It's hard. He didn't get that Brock Osweiler money. He got uh, Philip Lindsay money. That's a red flag, man. Get out of that house. Go start They're a life. Like twenty-two years old. Get get to, get get a place with their college buddies, you know, in Hoboken, and you know, just get you know, loosen up. Meet the girls. <laughs> Seems like a long commute. Go out to the bars. Hoboken? Enjoy yourself. Yeah, take you know, you take the path into the city and you know, enjoy yourself. Right, but the city lives in Denver. Correction, he's 25 years old. It's time to get out. Right. I came back. 25? Come on, dude. When I left Los Angeles with no plan and went back east, I, I stopped back in old Wilbraham, uh, I think for about a week. It was one of the Was dark, it like a Garden State it was scenario? Like one of the uh, darkest, uh, most depressing weeks of my life. I had to get out of there. It's tough. <laughs> It's like, what am Head I Head nod to the Rosenthal here? family. <laughs> I mean, they were great. It just, Deb listens to every show, like right? It. I might have been like three days. I don't even remember, but it was. I'm sure your parents were rocks, harrowing. but otherwise you were th- thinking big picture type stuff, right? I was just thinking, where, yeah. where am I? Yeah, I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. All right. You know, one day you go home, uh, you go to your parents' house and stay the night and you realize, wow, this is a house, but this isn't my home anymore. And maybe Philip Lindsay is going to come to that realization eventually uh because i think he needs to if he wants to take that step as a as are we sure guy. that's where he's living right now as this is all this is it's been decided on the show okay he lives in the, well if still. if he's not then people announcing their football games have been getting it wrong mm. all right good stuff all right so oh you know steven you're doing great behind the glass but we're not ready to say goodbye, goodbye. My bad. Erica still, okay. still on vacation. She we'll pick up from there. Yeah, we went to weird, weird. Spain. You know, flex by Erica. You know, say <laughs> we put in a lot of work uh, in the UK. Now I'm going to go disappear for a week or two in various locations across the world. She made that decision, and that's good for her. Stephen, you've done an awesome job filling in. I just want to let the audience know what's coming up uh, tomorrow night. We'll have that Thursday night recap, of course, and then Friday uh, or late. Yes, Friday, right? When do we put out the... Th- oh, no, Thursday. So It'll be... Still jet-lagged. Yeah. Thursday afternoon, you'll get the Week 7 preview. Thursday night, you'll get the Thursday Night Football recap. And, of course, we'll be back right here in the studio here um, on Sunday night recapping all the games that we preview tomorrow. Okay. Stephen, thank you. Gotcha. <laughs> Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss. And a little Stevie... Behind the glass. He's not little, though. (laughs) Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.